It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the Osprey's home match edition. My name's Alan Deegan, and I'm normally talking to you from the clan stand, but unfortunately, due to technical difficulties on Saturday, um, the recordings didn't work as we would have liked. So here's Rob Murphy to take you through the game. Rue with the carry and this Deland backing him up and Connacht have now got it out to the centre and an opportunity to make a break here's Peter Robb back in the side beautiful little link play Marmion to Tom Farrell in under the post how about that for his first start in over a year Peter Robb with the break and then Farrell with the finish ball is clean for Marmion Marmion gets it out to Godwin what are the options back inside comes Farrell oh that's a brilliant line from Matt Healy and he's in under the post and Connacht after second try to crown what has been a really strong performance in this first half 18 points to 5. Godwin's blocked down. Connacht are in a bit of a bother here now as the ball bounces loose. Aubrey might get onto this. He's going to score in the corner. Here's the feed from Marmion. 29 minutes gone, just over that. 20 points to 5. The ball popped up from Butler at 8 to Marmion, who's driving towards the line himself. He's being held up. Connacht are over the line. It'll be a try if they get the touchdown. They've done that. Marmion. Um, okay. The, so, it is a probable try. Okay. And um, it's been prevented by 11 black. Oh, so well, 11 yellow cards. And a penalty, penalty try. try. Yes. Okay. And a yellow three card. Green players. We're on the five meter line and his deliberate knock on. So possible try. This. Number 11. Enormous for Connacht. They don't even have to take yellow the conversion. Card, penalty try and half time. Penalty try Whoa, for Connacht. Half time. 34 points to five. And the bonus point in this massively complicated yeah. and challenging race for the playoffs here's Quinn Ruth's numbers here Jared Butler straightens the line charges through he has support from Kieran Marmion Marmion takes the pass and he's going to go in underneath the post and finally the two extra men tell as Marmion gets a second try of the game and Connacht put this game well and truly beyond reach down to 14 men again they've had three sin bins now in this game Connacht are driving towards the Ospreys line they're over the line they just need to get the touchdown it's a try for Connacht I should say job done from a conic perspective there ruthless as we said Tom McCartney is the man you should chalk down for the try 46 points to 5 now record breaking stuff in this fixture for Connacht Caelan Blade no messing from him Connacht mall forward and he just gets it out the back of the mall and says thank you very much we'll take that and Connacht have done the job and boy have they done it impressively record breaking scoreline against the Ospreys 46 points to 5 Andy, was that the performance to kick down the door that sets up the, the end of the season for you now? Yeah, I, I think um, yeah, there, there, there was a lot of confidence coming out of that performance. Uh, but we, we can't rest on that performance, so it's a, it's a good start for us. Um, it's probably a performance that's there before we've been looking for. Uh, we've now had it, so we now, now know what we're capable of and hopefully we can build off the back of that. It was a pleasing aspect the quick start, which is something that's been lacking in a couple of the recent games. Yeah, I, I mean, up until uh, probably the Cardiff game, we've we've been a team that's uh, been in the well, we've been in the top two in the Pro 14, and how quickly we started, or how we dominated that first 20 minutes, and, and we, we lacked that in the last few weeks. Um, so to get a try, I think it was two minutes on the board. Have a try with two minutes on the board. Um, it was nice to get back to that. Kyle Godwin at 10 um, was an interesting selection, but uh, he brought a little bit of something there, just uh, maybe his just generally skills. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's a very skillful man. He's also a very big man. So when you look up as an opposition 
10, 12, 13, but in front of you got Kyle Gobbin, Peter Robin, Tom Farrell. Um, you know it's going to be a tough day at the office. And and I thought the three of them actually uh, asked some really good questions early on. Um, yeah, the other boys, the opposition knew they were in a battle. Uh, I thought Kyle, that big left boot of his with a win behind him. We won the toss, thankfully, and it was a there was a lot of discussion. Are we going to go with it? Are we going to go against it? I think we changed our mind a couple of times, didn't we, Marmo? But we ended up going with it, and I think it worked out really well for us because, you know, that left boot down at that left corner, and it worked well. Seemed to ease off a bit in the second half as well. Is that local knowledge? Well, someone did say it was going to peak at 3 o'clock um, and, then, and then die down a little bit, but, yeah, I think we might have got lucky with that. When you get a performance like that, uh, would you like to be playing again next week? Or does, does, does this gap come at a good time for you now to just reassess and get everybody will be back after when Ireland are finished in the Six Nations? Yeah, I, listen, I, uh, maybe. Um, but we've all known the gap's coming up. Um, so I'm happy to take the gap, reassess. We've got, uh, we've got a team heading across to Boston um, for the, for the Conrad Eagles, which will be a great challenge for those fellas. Uh, we'll hopefully have... A few blokes over there with with Ireland and and competing there, so I think it's a good time just to let everyone settle, soak that up, refresh, come back, and know that we've got a, a chunk of five games coming up, which are pretty important to us. And you've got a home start against Trees. That's going to be another huge game. They're playing some good rugby. They are. Yeah, uh, you know, as we spoke about them before, they're a big physical side. Um, you know, they're, they're sitting up there in the top three in their conference, so they need to keep winning as well, as do we. Uh, I was impressed with them from the outset this year. Um, the style of football they played, the level of physicality they've got and the detail they've got within their set piece is very, very good. So that'll be a big challenge for us on the Friday night. And, um, yeah, tonight sets us up with, with confidence going into that, but uh, it won't be an easy fixture at all. Okay, and that was a very resolute performance by Connacht. You played some decent rugby out there, and it's a good win. You don't often beat the, the Ospreys by 36 points. Yeah, I think um, we played the conditions pretty well. Uh, we played pretty smartly, played in the right areas. Um, and then I guess we capitalised on our opportunities, um, took the most out of them. So I think it's a pretty important game in our season. I think everyone knew that going into the game. So um, obviously obviously a great result for us, and uh, hopefully puts in a good position for the rest of the running of the season. Was there a bigger responsibility today for you, Kyle Godwin, at 10, to start in there? Have you got to help him communicate with him and, and, and sort of drive him on? Not really. I think Kyle took the game by the scruff of the neck, really. He um, he put us in the right areas, uh, used his left boot well. Um, I mean, some of those kicks he put in, put, turned the pressure on them, put them five metres out. Um, so I think he played really smartly, and uh, I think we clicked pretty well from, from the start. Were you surprised by the fact that the Ospreys seemed to three yellow cards? I mean, that knocks any side back. Was was that just conic pressure really getting to them that, that you never let up? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when we put the ball in the corner there for the for the Moors and they gave away three or four penalties, and I think that just all adds up. And then the yellow card comes out and. And we just made sure that when the cards were, cards were there, we just put scores on the board. So um, I think we played that again. It was just smartly. So, um, yeah, that was good. You might be getting a call tomorrow. Ireland will be regrouping for the final two games. You've been watching from the sidelines, which is probably difficult. But a uh, win like that, and you've, you've played a fair bit of rugby now coming up into this. So you looking forward to that? 
Yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard anything, so um, we'll wait, see what happens tomorrow. Um, I'll just concentrate on this game here today and see how that, that went. So um, hopefully, I, but I don't know. Yeah. And looking forward to the rest of the season for Connacht. You start off against Benetton, you have a home game, then the big game in Sale. These, these are all really important games. It's the nitty-gritty part of the season. It's the, these are must-wins, and th- there's increased pressure on them. Yeah, I think every game from now to the end of the season is a big game. Um, a few huge ones coming up. Obviously, Cardiff at home. I think they're playing today. It's tight between us and them. And and then Treviso have been going really well this year. And Zebra and then that Sale um, quarterfinal. So, yeah, every game's huge now. There's not many left. So, um, hopefully, that gives us a bit of confidence going into the back end of the season. And you're feeling fit the injuries someone else in the past. Now, you've worked very hard to come back from that. And there's a lot of hard dedication for somebody just slogging away yeah I feel fresh I mean I think the 12 weeks out off I've had has been pretty good for me actually I looked at it positively and tried to freshen up my body and I feel feel as if I have done that and um, I'm just happy with the way I'm going at the moment Alan that was a very very difficult day for the Ospreys out there it uh, nothing really went right yeah it certainly felt like that um, a lot of things came to the fore and came to the head today and it was a hugely disappointing performance from us the pressure that's off the field, we all know about that. Was was a performance like that maybe in the offing when there's been so much going on, the players have been under so much pressure and the management, the whole organisation? I, I don't... Genuinely, I don't know what value you can put on that. Um, it's easy to hide behind it to a degree, um, but ultimately today, probably outside the scrum, we're beaten in all facets of the game. It was disorganised performance the three yellow cards at, at times put put immense pressure on the team you were never you never came to grips with the conditions either yeah like you know early on system wise defensively we conceded tries we haven't been conceding um, I give Connor a tremendous impetus then we're trying to chase the game the yellow card you know you look at the end of the first half we're an intercept away from coming in at half time going uh, it, it's a 12 point game then we get yellow carded and it feels as if the game's done I, I thought the last yellow card was unbelievably harsh I don't, I don't know what they're saying there Looking at where you are now you, you're going into a break Every, all the teams have a two week break and then you've got, you've got four games remaining they're all must wins and, and two of them are on the road in South Africa yeah, like four games the back end of the, se- the season obviously it's about salvaging a bit of pride after today this Connacht team were well beaten in Glasgow last week and they've responded it shows you what's possible hopefully our boys come back from the international window we'd have seven boys back on the field from that it hurts us badly we know that uh, but for today this is hugely disappointing would having the internationals back be maybe a little bit of a cushion because they've been away from all the difficulties will, it, will they be able to give you the lift you need I think it's unfair to say that the internationals have been away from all the difficulties. They're good men and they've been part of it. They're playing for the Welsh national team at the moment, but ultimately their club is the Ospreys and they have a lot of connections with their friends back here. We would like to thank the Connacht Rugby Supporters Club, the Connacht Clan, for supporting the podcast. For the most detailed and informative travel news for away matches, check out connachtclan.com. Membership is only €10 and includes a member's gift, exclusive merchandise and much more. Go to connachtclan.com and follow Connacht Clan on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook 
for all your supporting needs. Okay, that was the voices of Andy Friend, Kieran Marmion, and the Ospreys head coach, Alan Clark. Dave, you were in on the heard heard what was going on. What what impression did you get? I think it was measured. It's if you would suggest this morning when we looked out the window, saw the weather, uh, knowing that we were down to our fourth, maybe even our fifth choice out half. Certainly our sixth and choice out half on the bench. I'm not even sure he realised he was an out half on the bench. Um, and that we'd get a bonus point and we'd be done by half time. You'd expect the coach to come in and bouncing. And it was very measured. It was very not getting too carried away about it. So it, it is five points that possibly, certainly one point more than they probably expected. Not getting too carried away quite pleased satisfied measured but not getting carried away is the best way Sam McCurran Marmion pleased to be back pleased with the victory pleased with the five points pleased with the choice but again not bouncing around like a five year old on Skittles fair enough and of course I apologise Dave Finn has joined the podcast um, no, no William today he was off working for the BBC on AM, FM and DAB as he informed me um, Rob had to rush off so we've got Danny Deegan joining us Danny you saw the game from the commentator's perspective what did it look like for you guys yeah it looked great from Connacht they were very very aggressive and it's a good answer from what happened last week now I didn't get to see last week's game but you know it's never good to go and get absolutely hockeyed like that and to go and destroy Ospreys like that is a good way is a good way of responding and is probably why Franny was so uh, kind of mellow you know just expected an answer and he got one yeah the Irish guys came back and seemed to put a lot of fire in the bellies of everybody around them there is something players there's, not, there's two over the years when players come back from Ireland camp They've come back in one of two ways. Either they've just not been with it. There's been they've been just out of kilter with the side, or and as we're seeing much more often, thankfully, they bring something. They've learned a lot, and they're bringing what they're learning from Ireland camp because it is. I don't th- until we're not. Well, Danny might if he's in bizarre stuff, as long as Danny can still play for Ireland. We can't. We don't know what it's like to come back and and and, and realize the difference between. Provincial and international level, and it's clearly they are learning things, and they're learning things from the upper provinces, and they're learning things from Joe Schmidt that they can then incorporate into their own game. And they were doing things today that were just different, and they were better players. And you could see a team that had four guys who were in Ireland camp, and a team that didn't have had none of their internationals. I think if we, if look, you can only beat what's put in front of you. And we picked a strong team and they picked a team and they have injury problems and they have a lot of guys away with Wales and there's other issues with those guys. But we added quality. They didn't have it. They couldn't handle it. The score probably was unfair and <laughs> bizarrely unfair to Connacht and we're talking about a 41-point victory. Um, I was very impressed with all the Ireland boys. And also the guys who did play last week, they they could have they weren't they weren't they wouldn't have been let feel sorry for themselves they wouldn't have been allowed to get away with that performance last week and they didn't put in two performances in a row and that's important you have to back this performance up next and there's a two week break to Treviso but that's a perfect game to play this is a team going really well and then what you see is if you can back up a bad performance with a good performance the next thing you do is back up a good performance at home with another good performance at home yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Like I was there last week, so I did see how bad it was, and and we weren't quite as bad as the Ospreys were today, but we weren't a whole far, a whole lot far off it. But Danny, you, you're looking at situations. What I one of the things I noticed today is, is Tom Farrell's presentation after he got hit 
when he went to ground the ball was on an absolute platter every time for the scrum half anything else did you notice he gave a, he gave an offload uh, he got hit he got his arm free and he just pops it up right to chest level it's, it was just an unbelievable offload it's perfect and he's after being smashed in the tackle just his control uh, when he's getting hit is unbelievable it, like, just his ability to get his hands free it's very impressive and any of the other Irish players did you notice anything? well uh, from Marion's try if you watch it again, as he's running into contact, he's actually speeding up, so he's... This is the first try. There was no contact involved in the yeah. second try. That's very true, yeah. His first try. Uh, but no, he, he actually speeds up as he gets the contact, which is what you should be doing. And I believe uh, it was Mike Forshaw who uh, actually originally started bringing that in a few years back. But if you watch, man, I mean, as he hits him, he's going so fast your man can't get a proper hold of him and he ends up scoring a try yeah because he ran into two players one was an open side wing forward and, and the number 10 and you'd sort of expect a small scrum half to be stopped dead in his tracks and it just didn't happen and you've got Quinn Rue and, and um, um, Ulton Delan going around smashing the living daylights of anything that moved and then of course you've Peter Robb there, there was one point where Rob catches a, an offload uh, or a pass that was at his ankles, basically, and he picks it up with one hand and he goes, you're like, whoa, this guy has got serious skills again. You know, and if he can stay fit, he's going to be a massive asset to us. He certainly is. And, of course, we can't but mention our new out half, <laughs> Kyle Godwin. I know you don't like Man of the Match awards, but if you're talking about who's, who imprinted himself on this game... And up until he went off, Kyle Godwin was involved, and I can say this with a, to a certain degree of certainty, was involved in every single score, including theirs. He was, he, it was just what, it couldn't have gone better for him. He was also, to be fair, he was also, even when he gets forced off, it was a really good piece of play. That was a brilliant tackle. I mean, there's no question about it. That was the best tackle of match was actually on Kyle Godwin. So he was in the heart of everything. Um, not all of it good, and I'm sure there are things he will want to improve on. But he got it nice. I mean, you, you told me about his kicking stats beforehand. Three under the posts. That's going to yeah. build your confidence. You know, he's played 12, 13, 11, 14. The only place in the back that he hasn't played is scrum half and fullback. And he probably could if he was asked. I was really impressed with it. And what really impressed me was his kicking into the wind in the second half to touch. You had to be there to experience how strong that wind was. And his kicking into the wind was superb. It certainly was. Normally at this point of a, of a match review, we'd be starting to talk about the opposition and, and how well one or two of their players played, but none of them played well. Danny, they seem to be in this situation... Oh, oh, Dave disagrees. I will stay up. I, think I do think that the tackle by, um, by Cracknell is, was, a, was, a, was the perfect textbook tackle. I thought Aubrey, was, I thought Aubrey tried to get them going, but just couldn't. Um... But yeah, oh, that's yeah, why I didn't want to say all of them. Would. Yeah, yeah. Connacht's first half, get a kick off, give it to Godwin. Godwin sticks it down the pitch, uh, drops it on the, the five. It takes the Ospreys 20 minutes to kick the ball in the second half when they've got the same win that, that Connacht had in the first. Why did it take them so long to kick the ball? Well, their 10 that played this week kicked the ball once today. Last week, he didn't kick it at all. I don't know how you can play rugby with an out half that doesn't kick the ball. Especially with a win like that. Like, Godwin was standing just on his own 22 and he rifles it down. That, that kick minutes. also summed them up. That was a catchable kick and it was, yeah, it was a chance it was going to go on the ball. But it was, you knew easily 10 yards from the, from the line that was, it was going to bounce in the back. And the fullback left it. And that summed them, that summed them up. And then the one he hit that went into five metres from touch. And again, 
Yeah, it was a brilliant kick. He do, he's a little lugubrious. It, lets yeah, it, it was yeah. the reason they get their block down. Again, that's young. That was the Rotten two guys. That was Cracknell yeah. and Aubrey. Yeah. Again, they did try. I thought their loose head was pretty good because he did get on top of Finley in the first half as well. So we kind of. But apart from that, their 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 tactics in the second half were just. Yeah, but I think weird. the whole thing comes down to me. We're looking at a team. Mm who are where Connacht were in 2002, 2003. Yeah. They don't know they're going to exist. Like, they were confirmed last week that they will exist next season, but only next season. It's not confirmed they're going to exist past the year 2020. Yeah. Do you remember when Aroni were given that that sort of state? I mean, nobody had gone there, guys. You can understand. Th- what the Welsh Rugby Union is doing is, you say you have a problem with four teams. Well, that's great. First of all, you're not getting rid of a team. You're merging two teams and creating a four. That's still four teams. That, yeah. that logic goes out the window. Yeah. Secondly, no matter what you do, if you get rid of a team, you are making players unemployed. Yeah. And not all these guys are going to get jobs. And some of them, there might, some of the, yes, a lot of them, the bigger names will be picked off. So there's no way you're going to lose. Alan Jones is not going to want for a team. George North is not going to want, want for a team. But there are guys, guys who played today could be out, could be out of jobs. Guys who would be the next guys to step up if these guys didn't make it. They're the guys that are going to lose their jobs. And I can, you can understand why they're demotivated. Yeah. And you can understand why the coaches are demotivated. The entire organisation is demotivated. This comes down to the WRU. We benefit in Ireland from having traditional provinces that go up, transcend sport. Wales has traditional counties that transcend sport. It has traditional rugby areas that transcend sport. What they try to do is they try to create regions that don't exist. And that's fundamentally been a problem. RCG are in the Scarlet's reason, which, as I said earlier, I cannot emphasise this enough. That's like having a Letterkenny club affiliated to, or even for like even Malin, a club up in Malin being affiliated to Munster. It makes no sense. There's no connection there whatsoever. It was the club itself has been has been artificially created. I. I totally understand that this is not going to I saw Dragons last weekend playing in Treviso first of all Treviso are superb yeah. but Treviso had their a bit like us Treviso would have Treviso had, four, had their four tribe once in 20 minutes mm. Dragons were appalling they looked demotivated thankfully Scarlet and fair play to Cardiff I wish Cardiff would start feeling demotivated but they're not but um, <laughs> yeah because as, as we watch um, Scarlet are currently leading Munster 10 points to 6 uh, 53 like minutes thrill, gone. It does sound like a thrill a minute ride. Uh, yeah, well, they're getting the weather that we had this morning, so they're having to play through that. We got away with it, so we did. <laughs> but I'm saying, these dragons look demotivated. Ospreys look demotivated. There's a malaise at the heart of Welsh rugby, and I mean, it's, we're going to talk about something else soon, but it's just an absolute disaster what's happening there. <laughs> it certainly is. Look at that. We're being interrupted by people and everything. The reason we're interrupted, we're actually now in Murty Rabbits, Indeed. the home of the Connacht clan. So, there's um, going on in Murty's this week. And there's, there is. And we've got a little ad for that. So, here it is. <laughs> Connacht Clan annual table quiz will take place on Thursday 7th of March in Marty Rabbits at 7.30pm. All proceeds from the quiz will go directly to the Galway Hospice. Tables are €40 Euro with a max of four per table. All are welcome. See connachtclan.com for more details. Right, before we move on and, and talk about um, more men's rugby, William, uh, after our trip to Glasgow last week, uh, went out to Corinthians where there was a Women in Rugby Day out there and um, got some very interesting interviews. Here's William. 
Delighted to say I'm at the Women in Rugby event here in Corinthians on this Saturday afternoon. I'm with Yvonne Comer, former Irish international, and Wendy Hickey, who is Women's Development Officer at Connacht Rugby. I'm going to start with Wendy. Wendy, this is a follow-up to an event that you had in November. So where do Connacht come into this? This is to br- trying to bring in, bringing women back in to rugby, not women's rugby, just rugby in general, the game in the whole. It all stems from the women's uh, recognition even that we had a few months ago. And from that, we wanted to do a follow-up to try to get more women involved in rugby. Like it could be playing, it could be refereeing, it could be coaching in committees, not necessarily involved specifically in the women's game, but just to get involved in rugby. So Yvonne came up with this great idea of trying to put together an event where we would have former players uh, and also to have information for any volunteer that was looking to get uh, information on becoming involved in rugby but didn't really know where to go or what to do. So this was an an idea, like a one-stop shop of how can I get involved in rugby? Who do I need to talk to? What are the clubs? What are their needs? And and we'd be there there to be able to facilitate them and then give them the information they need. Yvonne, you're involved in Corinthians out here, so give us an idea of your role and how you chose to stay involved with the game? Well, at the moment, I'm coaching the under-14 and under-16 girls alongside a few others. I took up the child welfare role in September, and I'm also a member of their committee. For me, I actually had left the game for a number of years. I moved over to London. Life kind of gets in the way, and you fall out of the sport. But I loved it. And when I moved back home, I luckily got approached by one of the men at the club who used to be the ex-Irish manager, so Kieran Brown, and he asked me if I'd come out and coach out here. And I jumped at the chance because I missed rugby and I missed the community spirit and I missed everything involved around the sport. So getting the opportunity to get back into it was a real amazing thing for me. Is it a situation that players play, you've played at a very high level, club players play, maybe particularly for women, they stop playing and suddenly rugby is gone? Is that something that's, does that ring a bell? Oh, definitely. I think sort of life gets in the way. You leave the game and there's no facilitation there to get back involved. As I mentioned earlier, one of the things I was involved in was a strategic review with the RFU last February. And there was a lot of former internationals there and every single one of them wanted to get back involved in rugby, but didn't know how to. So the idea came up with Connacht is how do we get women back involved? How do we let them know what's out there? How do we tell them about the opportunities and actually get them back into the clubs? And Wendy, you're also looking for people who, what about women who've never played rugby? This is the key to this. This isn't all about just women's rugby. Uh, Are you looking for people to just join because it's an organisation or a sport that they might get some benefit out of, but they could bring experience from totally different fields to clubs and organisations? Absolutely. There's some fantastic women out there that are involved in, let's say, their local GA clubs or soccer clubs or swimming organisations or whatever it is. And women bring a lot to the table and we need to be able to encourage them to come. And there's roles out there for, there's a role out there for everybody. And be it, like I said before, you know, on committees, you know, we, we need to get more women back involved or just involved in general and to really support the idea that women are, are, are equally able to do all this, all this work and we want to get them back in and give them that challenge like to, to, to support the game. Wendy, how do people get involved? Where, how do they contact you? 
where can you show, what are you trying to show them where where can you lead them where what's what's the the upward curve on this well i think if they they, they can contact me at wendy.hickey at connectrugby.ie i think we we will be looking at putting out a kind of possibly like a step-by-step program as to you know i want to get involved in this 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 you know what are the steps if i want to be a coach a stage one coach and i want to coach my 10 year old daughter what do I have to do? I'd love to be on the women's committee uh, because I feel I have something really valuable to offer. What do I do? So they can contact us here, uh, us in the branch and Connacht Rugby, and we'd be more than happy to give them that information. Now, today here at Corinthians, what was this all about? Myself and the Connacht branch have been discussing a lot of what we do, how we promote it, how we get the right women in. We're running different initiatives on different clubs who may we know there's a few clubs who have positions open so we're discussing them today the guys from connect will tell people the criteria well the skills sets needed for certain positions tell them how they can get involved in coaching they have offered a level one coaching course for free for any women who want to apply from today so that's a huge thing that would be the minis um, area you know from this we're, we're actually going to be running hopefully to get into rugby program in corinthians over the summer as well which will entice more people and we'd love some female coaches if they want to get involved in that but there's a lot of organization gone into the day and hopefully it can become a sort of annual thing where we can get more and more women who come into the game and realize you know this is good this is something i want to be involved in Yvonne, you're coaching how much fun is it? Is it is it as good as playing? Do you know what? I think I'm worse than some of the girls. I absolutely love it when they're not being really serious about it. But the biggest thing for me, as I was telling the group out here earlier, is watching them grow and develop into the strong, capable young women is just so fulfilling. I would recommend to anyone to get involved for that reason alone, whether you've got daughters in the game or whether you just love rugby. Just seeing what they're seeing the potential in them and being able to help true rugby bring out those characteristics. It's just amazing and I love it. Yes, let's hope that goes well and that that more and more women get more involved in rugby because I think it's women's rugby is fantastic. As itself, I'll be over, I'll be up to watch the Ireland-France game and uh, next week. Um, But getting women involved in the sport in clubs I think is really, really important. I think it'll help keep the game going and grow the game. So, next item. The Eagles are going to America. Are you going, Dave? Surprisingly enough, no. Um, I actually, as a moment of time, I don't know exactly who is going. I don't think Connick know exactly who is going. I know some people aren't going. Um, I don't know. I, I read a pre- press brief- briefing about this about six months ago. I completely forgotten about it as it was brought up today. It's not. We don't know exactly what their itinerary is. We don't know exactly who they're playing yet. But it's, the Eagles are going to America, and that's Connex Rugby for the next two weeks. And good luck to the lads to go over. They, I hope they enjoy it. But and I'm glad they're getting more games. But we really would like those games to be in Ireland. Yeah. Well, I suppose you know. So it, if, if it's again expanding the game, which is now going to lead us into the last item that we're going to talk about today um, hang on Danny wants to say something just one thing on the, the Eagles going over they're playing the New England Free Jacks who uh, Tyg Leader is playing for well, that's great news ex-Connick player as you say and brother of Dara current Connick player so best of luck to Tyg we, we might try and grab him on the podcast at some stage but yes we were just talking about the development of the game so the Connick are going over to help you know try and improve the quality of game time that the Americans and Canadians are getting um, so 
leads into a massive statement or non-statement or massive leak this week that came out where World Rugby are going to try and turn international rugby into some sort of league um, and ring fence it and deny access to probably the most exciting rugby players on the planet the, the players from the South Sea Islands what a mad mad decision which of course they're denying they are not denying they're just not saying exactly what Fair people enough. are saying it is even though they haven't denied anything that anybody has said that's wrong yes um, it's a disgrace yeah it's the death knell of rugby at international level as we know it I think the reaction of the players the international captains should have told you something I know that Dan Leo has got the organisation of the South Sea Island players your Tongan Fiji Samoa um they're threatening to boycott the World Cup. Um, it's a big call for other teams to join them. But I think if World Rugby wants to grow the sport, you need to have more than 12 countries. If you look at the countries they're putting in, and I don't mean to pick on Italy. I'm not having, I think we should be trying to bolster the game in Italy. But Italy are currently ranked 15th. And Georgia are 9th. I think Fiji are 11th and Tonga 12th. Fiji and Ninth, but the Fiji, Georgia, and Tonga are all ranked ahead of Italy. I think this is, I think this is not going to happen. I think they've looked at what football did, UEFA did with the Nations League. But what they didn't take into account was this was UEFA taking things that were going to happen and putting a competitive aspect on it, not creating a brand new competition that would counteract the European Cup and the World Cup. This is going to counteract everything. It's going to be the death. The worrying thing is that the fact that they've got, they say they've got a TV sponsor. Now, if they have a TV sponsor prepared to bring, do this for 12 years and back, a, back 14 teams, that blows the BBC out of the world. That blows, our, that blows everybody in terrestrial TV out of We will not... It, whatever else... So even if Six Nations does exist and the World Cup does exist, we won't be seeing it because these guys will be, these, it'll be on pay-per-view. I think this needs to be stopped in the morning. It'll kill rugby. Um, it's the reason why I'm opposed to ring-fencing the Premiership in England. I'm even more determined. After a while, do you know what? I'm bored of us playing awesome internationals against the same teams. And I'm, I'm damned if for 12 years I'm, we're only going to be playing 13, 11 other teams. Damned if I'm going to enjoy that. And, and part of the reason you've, you've touched on it there, money. And I think that's come from the fact that the Heineken Cup um, was changed in order to improve the competition because they were going to get a lot more sponsors. And they didn't. So there isn't as much money in the Heineken Cup side of things. And the Six Nations did something similar, and they lost major sponsors because they thought they had a better product than they do. And maybe rugby's getting the world rugby are getting ahead of themselves, much like the others did. Um, but maybe they're being forced down this route because they feel they need more money. Um, the question is, how much money is enough money? <laughs> At what point does it stop? And like rugby is not soccer; it doesn't have the same appeal. It doesn't have the same broad appeal right across the world. Um, so they have to, you know, cut their cloths to do, you know, what money they have. And I'm, I'm not sure I agree with okay, having. Okay, so let's let's do a compare and contrast. We're 32 teams in Japan. Uh, sorry, in Russia, and that didn't include Italy, Holland. Even <laughs> before we get to results, so that's two. To pre- that's two. The pre- previous finalists of the of the previous three editions were not there. So that means you're looking at teams that. We're talking soccer here. Yeah, you're talking. So you're talking about teams ranking 40th, 50th were able to play in the World Championship and, you know, some of them were outclassed but some of them did well. Mm. The 40th ranked team in World Rugby is going to be somewhere that we don't... We, some of, a lot of people go, I didn't even realise they had an international rugby team. 
it, do, it doesn't actually doesn't go to 40 a 40 well that says it all that says South it all Korea South Korea are number 30 one of the most amazing results I saw this, this month was Brazil have beaten Canada twice now Canada have been at every World Cup now they're in a bit of free fall but how does Brazilian rugby improve yeah. So this beating, yeah. How Absolutely, does how yeah. does it improve? The only reason Italy were allowed into the nations because they played teams, and because the five nations have been ring fenced, and they went, no, don't really expand it. Georgia have improved because they played these teams. You're not going to improve players. And what makes it worse, and this is the point that was raised by the guys in, by, by Dan Leo, was you can't do this and and then also and not expect everybody to change nationality they're all going to move away no one's going to there's going to be no teams in these countries because they're only if the best players are playing in these competitions they're all going to study and suddenly <laughs> I'm going to pick two teams New Zealand and it's not New Zealand's New Zealand country's fault and it's not France's fault but that's where they'll move to because that's where the money is and they'll do their three or five year residencies they'll move at 18 and 19 they'll be capped at 23 and what they're happen? doing that already yeah and, and, and you're also now, but they're moving so they'll move even younger so even so you won't even have under 20 World Cup because there will be no need because all the players have moved to the other countries it's a complete pig's breakfast if you want to help the southern hemisphere rugby cl- countries make money have more things like Lions tours have more tours of have tours around the country not these three internationals the yeah. three interna- the in out player internationals are doing nothing for the countries have a 22 match tour of, of Australia 22 matches yeah Month-long tours. Month-long, yeah, month-long. Month six, six weeks and play, and play the play the teams. Because that was more games, yes, but more games in the countries. Not more games with the same people. Because ultimately, you're photocopying and photocopying the same thing, and it's going to be boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. I think it'll be the deaths. Like, whatever between the death of, of um, international rugby, I think it'll have a really big impact on club rugby. Because as far as I'm concerned, there's too much international rugby. I'd like to see less of it, because less is more, in my view, and have more club rugby and, and grow the game from the bottom up rather from the top down. Yeah. Because that would also I mean, that brings, us, brings us nicely full circle back to Wales. Wales has got a huge disconnect between its province. No, there are provincial fans. I'm not saying there aren't. But the... Welsh rugby fan follows two teams. They follow the Welsh national team, and believe me, being in Wales last weekend, it was hilarious. But they follow the local club, and they follow the Welsh team. And yes, I'm not denying, yes, there are fans of the Dragons, there are fans of the Ospreys, the Scarlets, and, and, and the Blues. But there are more, probably more fans of Neath and Swansea than there are of the Ospreys. And what we've seen what's happened when you plough everything into the regions, you're killing the small clubs. Neath are going out of business. That is appalling. They produced Jonathan Davies as the last player. I'm sure William could tell us, could list off an entire international team purely from neat players. And that's what's going to happen. And that's what, if you plough it all into one thing, you're going to let everything else wither. And I think you're absolutely right. I think the club rugby will die. Okay, I think we should wrap it up there. Um, we've got a two week break now. There's no, no Pro 14 or European rugby for two weeks. Back to Six Nations. So this will be the last podcast for a couple of weeks. You can come down to Murty's on Thursday night, um, which is March. 7th for a 7.30 kickoff for the table quiz I think we had an ad earlier on in the Danny was so enthusiastic he came down three weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> alright we leave it there folks <laughs>